Welcome back to Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so disoriented, but I'm here and excited it's to our, talk It's about our it. rushed Thanksgiving episode. We were trying to do stuff early because Ben has to leave for his flight. He actually might leave middle of the episode if things go terribly, but yeah. uh, we're doing it. We're doing it live. Uh, we also have Mike on the producer chair today. Ruben is... Uh, at home in Ohio. You have a mic. You can talk into the mic. I know. I am, right? Okay. Yeah. Can I can be heard by myself yeah. since I'm wearing the headphones as well. Yeah. Lights are on. We're ready to do this. this Happy Thanksgiving thanks. episodes are always a mess. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. If you're listening to this right now, it's Wednesday. If you're watching this live, it's today on Tuesday. And if you are uh, here watching the edited vision, version of this video, so uh, with card art and all the things we're talking about and visual aids, uh, this will be Thursday, which is actual Thanksgiving. So it might come out on Friday this week. I don't know yet. We'll figure that out. Hopefully it's Thursday. Yeah, hopefully it's Thursday, but uh, we're back. We're doing an episode today. We've got a sweet deck tech to talk about. It's actually like really, really epic. It's it's really, really awesome. Uh, we're also going to be talking a little bit about the color green in Magic. Uh, yeah. Alex's contention is that it is the best color in Modern. I may refute that. We're going to get into that. If mm-hmm. you guys want to follow along with anything we're doing, be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MMCast. It's the best place to follow the, along with us. And the outline had no Twitter shout out because oh. Twitter is right below us or will be popping up now. Yes, but I, but on audio, out. people who are listening. Yeah, they've heard. They know they've where heard to find before. us. Okay. Uh, we also have, uh, uh, we have a Patreon and that's kind of the main thing. Uh, we want to cut down a little bit on what we shout out, but uh, our Patreon is really important. It's how we're able to do all this new content we're doing. Uh, it's how we're able to do stuff. It's where this deck tech came from. So if you uh, are a $10 tier patron, you're able to submit deck techs and we'll do one uh, when you do it, as long as we have time on episodes. Uh, so thank you all so much. Uh, especially big thank you to Derek Stafford, who provided the deck tech for today. Um, we also um, have a new schedule. So uh, every week we're now doing kind of things a little bit differently, uh, but same-ish. Uh, basically, every Tuesday we're going to do a live uh, version of the episode. For those of you currently in the chat, you're watching it. Uh, for those people listening on audio or video, if you want to check it out, the ideas as it's happening, it's every Tuesday at uh, 1 uh, p.m. Pacific Coast time. Uh, PST. 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 Yeah. On top of that, then the audio will come out every Wednesday. So it comes out the next day. Uh, the video edited version. So if you want to watch it, like high quality versions of the video with high quality video and card art, whenever we mention a card, so you know what they're talking about, that produced video version of the video comes out every Thursday. And then every Monday, we have uh, a new video series called Hot Takes. And uh, as much as the internet has now buried that name into the ground, uh, basically the idea is we take little segmented videos videos, uh, versions of the podcast, um, and we talk about a specific subject matter for about five minutes every Monday. So make sure to keep it chat out for all those. If you want to get alerted, subscribe on YouTube. If you want to be uh, able to see the the live feed, we're on Twitch and, and YouTube, so you can start subscribe in either place and um, all of those good things. Uh, the last thing is we have new music. Uh, Matt Kessler has provided a new intro and outro theme. You'll hear it uh, in this week's main episode as well as this week's hot take. So that's kind of the new opening theme music. There will also soon be new opening audio that hopefully will cover some of these shout outs for us so we don't even have to do it every episode. Yeah, big updates for the MM cast coming at the end of this year and into 2020. Uh, the first thing is we're talking about is green the best color in magic? That's the first thing we're doing. Uh, I think your is. contention is that green is the best color in modern. Is that what you said? Both. You think that magic and modern, period. Yes, I think green is the best color in magic, and that trickles down 
to modern. Interesting. Okay. So I, I was thinking about this because we talked about white. We talked about white on an episode a couple weeks ago. And the conversation then was that white is the worst color. Correct. You know, and, and the discussion is basically centered around the idea that uh, what does white do the best? You know, what are the things white does better than anything else? And what are the things that it should do better, but it doesn't? And some of the things we came up with, like white flickers better than anything else. You know, it has hate bears better than anything else. But some of the stuff that it feels like white needs to, you're like, you agreed on all this stuff two weeks ago. No, I agree that white has the best flicker. <laughs> mono, there's not another color that has better mono-colored hate bears. But you, green is close. No, but white definitely has better mono-colored hate bears. Green has some good ones, but white definitely okay. has more. Good well, ones. Let's move on with our lives. <laughs> like uh, we're talking about green, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it does. We'll exactly. So I think the conversation there starts to do with the same way we started the white conversation. When magic started, what was the point of green? Like what what was green intended to do? And we talked about he- healing salve and white. Yeah. Green's version of that is giant growth. Right. One green instant target creature gets plus three plus three. So green has always been about creatures attacking. You know, big power, big toughness. Well, I think I think green, green in, in original magic had kind of two main focuses. One is 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 creatures, right? It was the color of creatures that had uh, the most creatures. I think at that point, big creatures. And then the other thing was it was the color of lands and ramp and mana and had rampant growth effects. I think it had rampant growth. Um, I don't and, and rampant, it had no. land or elf. Rampant growth didn't exist in the original set. I'm trying to think what the first Michael, did rampant growth exist in alpha. I'm like a, basically a hundred percent. It didn't. Um, find I'm, out. Okay, but I'm just trying to think what the original, the original, original ramp effects were because some of the things that well, they Lana tried, War, Land of Warfelf and Birds of Paradise were both those in, are both alpha, alpha. Yeah, and yeah, those yeah. are great examples of of ramp, right? So those are great, like like, and you look at some of the other stuff that Green originally got that the other colors didn't get. While Green does get something like a craw worm, right? It gets a, the big creature for six mana. Green, they also tried stuff like Green got Ice Storm, right? Green had its own Stone Rain. They weren't sure when they started out, you know, which it, which it was going to be. I mean, sinkhole, stone rain, and uh, ice storm all existed in Alpha. Sure, you know, so the, so initially, I think it was they were they were trying a few things out, but it seems like and, and green still has that right. Like green has the best non-creature permanent destruction, not the best, but it has the probably the second most diverse permanent destruction suite after white. It just can't kill creatures. Where black is probably next, can't kill enchantments or artifacts. Right, right. So like. It, it does have the ability, and now green can just kill creatures, right? That's one of the arguments today of why it might be the best color is, but it, it has the ability just to kill lands. It can kill planeswalkers. It can kill, it has many destroy target non-land, per, non-creature permanent in its color pie. As non-creature permanent types have also kind of had a little bit of a bounce back at becoming a little bit more powerful, green is better and better at just answering kind of everything. Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the ability to push that card uh, and, and add that one detail probably has to do with the fact that Planeswalkers were so pushed. So a lot of the things that were going to be really good um, were, you know, weren't going to be artifacts or enchantments. They were going to be Planeswalkers. We were going to lean into Planeswalkers. Green is definitely that. You know, green has green has really, really good reactive answers to permanent types that are, you know, just beyond creatures. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you talk about creatures. The actual the idea that the best creatures in Magic. And I think, you know, for the longest time, Tarmogoyf was the best creature in Modern. It's not really anymore, but it was. I, I have mean, a hot take on what the best creature in Modern is. What is it? Primeval Tide. I mean, it's a, that's a good answer. In, in like modern history, at least, yeah. Even now, I mean, it's fit into two major, major tier one archetypes. There's at least like four cards banned because Primeval Titan exists on the ban list. Yep. Between the Locust Lands, Summer Bloom, um, I guess Falcon came off the ban list. Right. I mean, it was the, the Titan Shift was a deck, a huge deck. Is a deck. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a little less now, but I mean, obviously, Amulet Titans back into like top five contention again. Right, it's right. like a real deck again. Um, so yeah, I mean, Primeval Titans really good. I think we've talked a lot about that, but again, so you talk about those Titans and those Titans back in 2011 when they were originally printed were supposed to symbolize. This is this is the best You're, creature version of each of our colors. So now. the new boon cycle, right? Where you have blue like unpermanently locks things down. Blue is yes. probably the one that's weirdest. It just was the best anti-titan. Uh white reanimates things, which is weird because that's weird. what we talked about. Yeah. It's like what what should white white should do that in the last episode? Uh red was the most just on flavor doing damage. Black made tokens. I don't know if they actually represent the colors super well. A green does and red does, but like really Grave Titan could be a white card yeah, tomorrow. That's fair. Right? That's fair. Yeah. Uh, and then um in fact Sun Titan and Grave Titan being in the colors they are, like you almost think they should be switched. I, I, I guess what I mean is the power level on those creatures being pushed, they they needed to fit into their color archetypes because they each required double color in the mm-hmm. casting cost. So you getting a creature that had death touch that made zombies, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that's a good example. Or, you know, in white, getting something that brings something back to life, right? Like they do like white to have that resurrection of ability. Obviously, sure. Primeval Titan being able to get lands out of your deck. That's you know, red being pound for pound damage. Those I think I'm not saying that necessarily the, the number one representation of the color are on the Titans, but it's kind of a good benchmark for about a decade ago of where they wanted those colors to go. Well, and, and, and the reason I kind of was thinking that maybe they don't fit is I think almost a better re- response of what the five colors could be represented in that version is the um, the the Kaladesh giant guys. What are they called, Michael? The uh Gearhawks. Gearhawks. The Gearhawks and Kaladesh. Because, like, white is a board wipe. Blue is a Snapcaster mage. Yeah. Uh, red is a, a damaged set half card draw engine, which is very much in red's color pie right now. Yep. Um, green gives a bunch of creatures plus one, plus one counters, which is very representative of like, the, giant, the giant growth era. And then the black one is a kill spell. Yeah. So, like, I think I think those are all with a life drain effect, right? They like they kind of all in more ways represent what the colors are supposed to be. And they go back to the well with 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 cycles like this a lot. Mm-hmm. It's something that they do consistently. We have the Cavaliers are currently legal. I mean, this is something that they yeah. like to do. And I think um, I think I agree with you that those Gear Hulks that they they feel like they're pretty on flavor. Mm-hmm. But I think we if we get into you know we're talking kind of more of the the mac the the macro right. Um, well, yeah, and, and, and we're, well, when we're talking about green, right, we're now going through every color, and and I think more of the fact is, why do we think, why do I think at least, because I think you disagree with me, uh, green is the most powerful color in Magic, but specifically modern, and I think I think part of it is green has always been, has had one of the most powerful abilities in Magic, and that is ramp, right? Like, with Birds of Paradise, Lenore Elf, Rampant Growth, and I think Tempest is when it was printed first, when I just yep. looked it up, yep. um, and... You know, every other elf ever printed from Noble Hierarch to Deathrite Shaman, every, um, yeah, that, that, you know, ramp spells. <laughs> I also, don't know if they also, explain it anymore. I mean, I mean, land as a card type and interacting with land so effectively and at such quick speed with cards, everything from all the way back to crop rotation to currently, you know, Elvish, uh, Reclaimer, you know, to things like Primeval Titan, you have, you know, Sylvan Scrying. I mean, there's so many things that have been printed over the years that not only ramp, but they can get lands out of your deck in a specific way. Sure. And 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 in early days of Magic, Green was always kind of laughed at as not the best color. And the reason I believe that is true is not because it was unpowerful. It was just that artifacts were doing what Green was supposed to be doing better, right? You had Moxin, you had Black Lotus, and both of those cards, and even them red and black had, you know, or black had uh, a Dark Ritual. You had these effects in other colors that were kind of taking what should be Green's color pie. Yeah. And 
So then it was just a creature color because it wasn't the best ramp color. And right. that makes it significantly less powerful in that era. Once they pulled back, you know, they don't even really even print signets anymore, which were continued up until Ravnica block. Yeah, um, they cost three now, basically. Yeah, they, yeah. Um, even talismans were Modern Horizons only. They wouldn't print that in the standard. So green has kind of reclaimed its territory as the second most powerful effect in magic after drawing cards, which is ramping. And um, if you take... And even, even Time Walk is a ramp card, right? Like people play... Um, growth Spiral. Growth Spiral. Growth Spiral, yeah. Growth Spiral as a time walk in some ways because really what it's doing is just playing an extra land and drawing a card right so once they did that then green's recently weird additions it is now kind of the best cantrip color see now you said this off camera and i disagree with you on this i know your your justifications here are going to be ancient stirrings and what like once upon a time because uh, i mean i like once upon a time but like what's that blue green hybrid spell that you were so stoked about like uh, I mean, it's blue green, green card uh, he's talking the split card. It's a split card and a hybrid card. Yeah, incubation and congruity. Incubi- yeah, incubation and congruity. Or like incubation. which is a blue card as well. But I guess I guess my point is that if we look in the last two years, how many blue cantrips that are playable have been printed? One, and it's often it's the same one every time. And green has gotten multiples. And then yeah. if you look at modern, you have ancient stirrings. You have and and now you have once upon a time. And I think those are just better than preordain. I do think incubation is is an interesting card. I think that card got overlooked by a lot of people. And mm-hmm. I think over time that card is going to get more acknowledged because Well, now once upon a time just does it for free. Like yeah, you yeah, get yeah. a free incubation. That's fair. Right? I do think that the I do think that the late game effect of having an instant speed three mana exile your creature is a pretty good backside on the spell. Like it's, but it has way more to do with... I actually am way less interested in that and even the deck that can play that than I am in just blue and blue creature decks being able to dig five on turn one. That's... Right, because blue doesn't have good cantrips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like kind of the point where like green is has multiple playable cantrips. Blue has some sleight of hand, serum visions, opt, but I'm kind of unhappy to play all three of them. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, I think, you know, obviously ancient stirrings in the same way that you can talk about like Back before, obviously, the Planeswalker conversation was skewed by all the power recently. We used to talk about Tezzeret, Agent of Bolas, and how good was he on the all-time list. And it was, he's so good in one deck. Same same thing with Ancient Stirrings. I mean, obviously, it digs for a land. That's but aside from digging for a land, you have to have your deck built around taking advantage of that card. And, yeah, you know... But, but, like, saying saying that it only sees play in one style of deck when there's four decks off the top of my head without really even blinking that I can think could play Ancient Stirrings is there's, a problem. There is and they zero, all do, like... Amulet Titan is doing a very different thing from Tron, which is doing a very different thing from Lantern, which is doing a very different thing from Warza Dex, which is doing a very different thing from XYZ. Like, like it. yes, it's only finding a land and a creature versus Pure Dane can find any card, but lands and cre- artifacts are so good yeah. that it doesn't matter. You won't get any argument from me that Ancient Strength is an insanely good card. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy good. It is, the, it is the best pure cantrip that we have. Um, but I do think that beyond just that one, I think you're giving Once Upon a Time a lot of credit here. I think Once Upon a Time right now, in like currently what we're doing is is given a lot of credit. But I actually think over time that card is going to get, people are going to like it less and less and less. Um, Have you played with the card? Yeah, I, it's good. I, totally, yeah, yeah. I love getting a free spell. Sure. Who doesn't like getting a free spell? After you've got a free spell, it's it's fine. Yeah, but the second one, it, you now are at parity with any other cantrip because you've now spent two mana to get two cantrips and the first one you've spent any other cantrip you've spent two mana to get two and, unless none of them are in your opening hand and then they're just like kind of clunky cards yeah but i played like i played two mana cantrips that yeah. like have the benefit of being and with especially now add the the like one of the other benefits of once upon a time especially compared to period in is it or serum visions keep calling it period in 
they have the kind of the opposite relationship with the London Mulligan, right? Where the London Mulligan makes serum revisions less needed. Right. I no longer need it to really sculpt my hand because they have the ability to do that. Once upon a time lets me take advantage of the London Mulligan to then even negate the negative of it, which is I have to go down in cards in my opening hand because I can make sure I have that and able to find the next best card when I go down in my card draw. No, I think it's totally fair, and I, and I think it is a really good card. So I, I, you give me those two in, in green having the best cantrip. I think it's... That's a... I think blue still has better cantrips than green. I think Ancient Stirrings is a better card than any of those cards, and I think it's possible you could make an argument that, like, in a lot of instances, you'll be happier to have once upon a time, but I will be happier most of the time if I'm not if, if I'm just building a deck and I want to be able to play blue cards mm-hmm. to be able to say, okay, I have these things that will just cycle through my deck quickly. And those cards you're talking about, they do require you to build decks around their functionality in a way that just like, I'll play sleight of hand in some decks. I'll play serum visions in some decks because it'll get me to what I want faster. I, 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 I accept that in modern especially as modern exists now. And on, if you look at, listen to this week's hot take, we talk about how force will might be a benefit to the format. Um, so you got should all go watch that. <laughs> uh, but in modern, you generically powerful decks aren't good. Like, like it is about being proactive. It is about finding the lands you need for amulet Titan to go off or to find your amulet. It is about using once upon a time to find the cards you need. It is about finding your Tron lands or finding your Urza pieces or finding whatever you need. It's not about just like, Oh, I'm gonna play a bunch of blue and red spells, and hopefully I'll see your visions and lightning bolt snap bolt my opponent out of the game. Like it no longer does that. That's not what the format's about. And even the I blue mean, white decks don't even play more than three to five of them, and it's a split between zero visions and opt. And they just play them because they're available. But if I could, think what you're saying, you're invalidating the fact that less than a year ago, not and I mean honestly, Grixis Shadow is one of the best decks. Grixis Shadow ain't playing Ancient Stirrings. It's also not playing Once Upon a Time. Sure, you know. And less than a year ago, the best deck in Modern was absolutely Is It Phoenix for several months within that was the off, last twelve months. But that was off of a red cantrip spell, not a blue cantrip. You still played all the blue cantrips. You were still you were still playing Serum Visions in that deck and Thought Scour in that deck. I will note that Grixis Shadow in particular is taking advantage of um, colorless cantrips. Uh, True. They're playing Mishra's Bauble and Street Wraith. Yep. As well. Um, Thought Scour is the one that you were, you, when you're To contribute that to the conversation. <laughs> no, it's a fair point. And, and we're talking about, you, you haven't mentioned Thought Scour one time. Thought Scour is a better card than those other cards. It's in, not though. In, in what we're trying to do with, like, you're saying proactively taking advantage of the deck archetype. Like, Ancient Stirrings is getting colorless cards. Thought Scour is what gets you a Yermag Angler to play Phoenix like Phoenix wasn't playing Thought Scour. The deck that, the, the best deck at getting, wanting the cards in your graveyard, right? Like, at that time. Phoenix wasn't playing Thought Scour. It was playing Faithless Looting. It was playing Serum Visions. And I don't even know if it was playing that many Serum Visions. Was, Phoenix was absolutely playing Thought Scour. You're out of your mind. Are you sure? Oh, on the I, final list that we're I, going around? I mean, I, when, I, when I played the deck last year, I day two and it was the best deck that day, everyone was playing Thought Scour. Sure, but I don't think by the time we got to the world of Hogak that Thought Scour was a key, key piece of the deck. I mean, all I'm saying is you, the recency bias can't be so extreme that you're saying green is best because people have played it once upon a time for like seven weeks. Like, Well, but that, that, like, that card is weeks. in that seven weeks got banned out of standard. And how many cards in seven weeks have ever been banned out of standard? That card has like is on the edge of being banned out of pioneer it's i mean and we're actually not even talking about the third best cantrip in green which is uh the one that also just veil of summer veil of summer yeah but that's like a cyborg card 
I mean, it's a great sideboard card, sure. but it's that was we we agreed that's like really that was like more of a meta banning than anything else. That made it was it was the decks that were really really good. It just made those decks even better. I don't know if we agreed on that. I mean, you said that, and I disagreed. <laughs> well, also, if the argument is that green is the best color in Magic, and green now has access to this like extremely potent hate card, uh, is that a problem? What I'll, here, here's what I'll give you, Michael, and this is this is what I'll say to you, Alex. If you ask me today, going into this conversation, mm-hmm. which color in Magic is supposed to cantrip best, the answer is blue. And if we're having an argument of which color cantrips best, and you're making a strong case that green probably does sure. it as well, yes. at least that's at least point. as well as blue, maybe better, that's a pretty strong argument, because green's not supposed to do that. Right. right? So I'll give you that. So okay. let's let's move on to the next piece of it. So, so so we talked about ramp, we talked about card draw. The, the, the other thing, and this isn't as relevant... In modern necessarily yet, but will be as we can continue. And you kind of touched on it when we talked about artifact and enchantment and land destruction is green is starting to get creature destruction. Like it, like with, with the big bad wolf and with, there's that new elephant that was in the, the dual deck thing. They're starting to add voracious wolf, hydra, voracious hydra. The card's sweet. They're card's really like good. they're starting to add creatures that when they enter the battlefield, kill creatures through fighting. And yes, it's fighting. So it's kind of like light, like red spells that they need it. Yeah. But, there's, I mean, Flaming Tongue, Flame Tongue Kavu was a tournament level card because it was a creature that ended up playing Kill the Thing. And yeah. they're printing green Flame Tongue Kavus regularly now. No, I think that's a really interesting point. I think the, the fight mechanic that that has started to enter on creatures now, I actually think it's a good place to push. Um, it's especially good for limited. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really fun in limited play. It's not the kind of thing that I think is going to affect Constructed all that much. Like, I... Hydras maybe every well, once in a while I mean, will it's, be. It's, it's having an effect on standard. On it, standard. Has, it has done stuff on standard. I know, but standard and pioneer theoretically will have a higher chance of those cards seeing play than in modern. Voracious Hydra is a big player in pioneer yeah. in both the hardened scales and the Nykthos decks. Yeah, yeah, I've seen I've seen it in those big ramp decks, the big mana decks. And I guess when I say constructed, I'm still thinking power formats. So eventually pioneer is going to be a power format it's just still feels like it's on the fringe for me mm-hmm. but i i like i mean i like that effect i think it's the fact that green has that kind of removal but it is still pretty situational and while we're talking about red you're saying that burn can be used to kill a creature that's a good thing you can't kill somebody by fighting a creature unless you're fighting a creature to kill them with the creatures you already have you can burn well, but, someone's face with a lightning bolt or you can burn their creature well, which no, but, is, but people that, play burn that only directly targets creatures not as much in modern because lightning bolt exists and kind of fleshes those out but like there's definitely been i mean people play a braid right like that's a card people play yeah but it also and takes so, out an artifact i mean there's a reason well but there's if if green prints a three three for two that when it enters the battlefield it fights target creature how much worse is it than a braid like really, because now you have a three-three creature in play versus getting an artifact that's comparable, and they would print that card based on what they're printing right now. Right now, it's a four mana three-three that comes into play and fights. You're saying they would print mono green watch wolf that I fights? I don't know. They're like printing crazy things in green. <laughs> I don't want them to. That's that's a push. That's 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 a hell of a push. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I guess like I think the the fighting creatures issue is uh is not necessarily about what green is good at or what green should be good at. It's more about green's weakness as a color. Like every color has weaknesses. Um, right and white's big weakness is that like lack of card advantage as you talked about in their episode but green's big weakness is like if your opponent has a bigger creature than you like you are going to have trouble removing it or if they have like a problematic creature like urza or something right like how is a green deck supposed to beat urza as a card because they it's a creature right it's a creature that they can't get rid of but if you have a voracious hydra or a wolf with a food off your oko or whatever now urza is not a problem for you anymore 
And all the artifacts in the Urza deck are also not a problem for you because you can destroy those. If they play an enchantment that hoses you somehow, uh, you can destroy that too. <laughs> like, yeah. like the entire white episode that we had was about white's weakness is the huge limiting factor in that it can't card draw, right? And then like it, so it can't get this card advantage engines going. It doesn't it, – it seems weaker than every card. Every other card has a weakness. Black can't handle artifacts and enchantments. The reason Thoughtseize was printed into uh, Theros in the first place, which kind of broke that standard environment, was because they wanted... It was the only way they could think of for Black to really have a proactive way to deal with the enchantments that were going to be powerful in that block. Blue ha- can't kill creatures normally, right? It has to really figure out a way to get rid of them. It, it has to do be proactive with counter magic, so it then has to hold up mana, which lowers its resource count that it puts in play. It also has other, you know, every color has weaknesses. If green's one weakness is I can't kill creatures, and now it can kill creatures, you you run into it being the best color in magic. <laughs> no, I, I feel that. I understand the, the, the nature of these creatures that fight and why that's an added advantage that green doesn't otherwise get. But I think what we can agree with is that whether or not, whether or not green is getting true creature removal. Because, like, classically... I guess like Beast Within is like the that's like the thing you'd point to as like the cool green removal spell, the proper green removal up, up spell. Up to this point, I mean that's kind of what Oko was doing, right? Like right. people were looking at Oko and being like, "Oh, they still have it in play." When Oko's power level was partially that it was literally a Beast Within every turn. Yeah, for I think all intents and purposes, but I, better because they don't can't get the card out of their graveyard in any way. I think the problem with this, the, and we agree, we, talking about uh, multicolored cards in this conversation invalidates it because then because yeah, yeah. then if we would have, then the white episode completely changes because then all the white-blue cards are in play, and then that's a whole different right. conversation, yeah, yeah. right? But if we're just talking mono-green, they've been pretty careful. And I think, I mean, Beast Within is not overpowered. They, what I, I, I don't think they... I mean, with creature removal, sure, but in general, in the last year, they've not been careful. Like, that's with, my point, right? Is that... You think one, that Voracious once Hydra? Upon, Voracious Hydra, Once Upon a Time, uh, Veil of Summer, um, Nissa, who shakes the world even to some extent. Like, you have these really powerful green cards... Then and green was already like a year ago. I was arguing that green was the most powerful color magic, just but behind Tarmogoyf and Primeval Titan and Ancient Stirrings and even Beast Within to some extent. Like green was already in a position that I thought it was one of the best colors in magic. And in that conversation, and then the last year they've added five new cards that are on people's like maybe should be banned lists. <laughs> so do you think that green pound for pound does have the best the best creatures? Because I think about black. And I definitely think black, Death Shadow, Gurmag Angler. I think I think green has better creatures than Gurmag Angler. I think Death Shadow is comparable to green's creatures. I think it is a green card. Other like in many ways, it's just a big creature that's cheap, right? Right. Um, and from a utility perspective, I think every card has good creatures, right? Like Snapcaster Mage still exists. Stoneforge Mystic is out there just yeah, chilling. Thalia is really strong. Bob is not as good. Uh, as it used to be. If you name Bob as the fourth best, the fourth best creature in yeah. black, that's fine. He's still really good. But on the other end, green has kind of a similar list of powerful, powerful creatures you can kind of walk through. I, I do think maybe black is better at creatures, and I think black is the closest to the second best color in Magic or Modern. The other thing black has creature wise that I think is better than green. Black has the recursive engine creatures. It has Gravecrawler. It has Bloodgast. It has the stuff that. The cheap stuff you can it has a what's the stitcher supplier it has those creatures that you can in the early stages of the game build like a really really complex engine mm-hmm. that green doesn't really get access to sure green doesn't do that and so but green has birds of paradise and noble hierarch those are great i mean those are great <laughs> great cards I, I would say though that green pro in the same conversation you're talking about cantrips that's about as good as blue 
I think there's a strong argument black creatures are about as good as green creatures, possibly better. I don't think green and yeah, green is supposed comparable. to do creatures best. It's supposed to be the creature color. Sure. So I think that's maybe one of the knocks. Well, green and white are supposed to be the creature colors, right? Like it used to be green in the early days of magic. And then white slowly got more and more better creatures. That's where the hate bear conversation comes in. They have sure. the Thalias and the Stoneforge Mystics where green has the oof. And that's kind of the main hate bear that you really can hang a hat on. Pleasant Kenobi is also on, and he brought a good point. Uh, Beast Within was considered a color pie break, honestly, because it dealt with everything, is what he brought up. Now, interesting enough, it's a color break from blue. Yeah. <laughs> they've done, they've in different formats, and, and granted, Beast Within is an interesting one, because Beast Within was actually printed into standard, right? So Beast Within was a so, card you could play in standard. But yeah. like, you now look at a generous gift in white, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the same card in white, even though white didn't really need it. You have Chaos Warp in red, which is another card that's not was never in standard, but like another weird color pie break. They sure. do it. They I like mean, to they like to give us cards that are like, here's your. I mean, they're all three mana instants, right? Yeah. I like Chaos Warp. Do you think Chaos Warp could get printed into standard, or do you think it's no? Too well, I mean, Mark Rosewater has said that it's like the biggest color pie break that makes him angry <laughs> ever. Yeah. Like I don't know if ever because like. I think that a lot of the stuff they did in Time Spiral Block, they, like, get mad at themselves about because it, like, creates a precedent that they don't want to exist in the world. Um, but I don't think that's ever going to standard. That card's so sweet. It's really good. I mean, it's the reason it's really good because it does something that Red shouldn't be able to do. Yeah, but the funny part about that card is, and this, this has blown my mind, so uh, every once in a while we we bring up this this format, Highlander Gauntlet, which and that's a perfect Gauntlet card because it's very powerful sure. and it's red. It's gotten cut from my wheel. I don't play it in the Gauntlet anymore. Well, that's, that makes more sense to me than in, even its utility in Commander, right? Right. Um, with Chaos Warp, uh, I think that you have a card that allows the colors you're in to be able to handle threats. And in Highlander Gauntlet, there's no color restrictions, right? You can right. splash colors. You can play three colors. You can figure that out. Um, where in Commander, if I'm playing a red-green deck, Chaos Warp is the only cult card available to me and Beast Within to answer threats, right? If I'm playing Mono Red, it's literally a card I have to play. Otherwise... Like I'm playing wrong. <laughs> At one point, it seemed like that seemed like an auto include in every gauntlet, but I was surprised when it got cut. So yeah, it's an, it's it's definitely an interesting color pie break. So kind of getting back to the conversation, you, we well, do ahead. you guys think that Chaos Warp would be like an interesting modern card? What do you what do you guys think about it in the context of modern? Like if it was in Modern Horizons too? Okay, I, so Chaos Warp in modern. If the question is, do we do we think that makes? Let's start with red. Does does Chaos Warp existing for mono red decks? Is that something that's going to be problematic? Not problematic. I think they would play it. I think uh, Scred Red would snap like a card like that available yeah. to them. Being able to handle, especially in the format as it is now, we are living currently in a world of too many diverse threats for any specific card to answer, which is one of the reasons this week we talked about on the hot take Force of Will, or last week on the, fo- the podcast we talked about Force of Will being the like card to include, um, or a card that could be added to modern because modern needs nor blanket answers. This being a good red one works for me, and I think Scred would play it, and I think other mono red decks would definitely consider it. Well, do you need I to like- be mono red? I mean, if you're like like a Grixis Shadow or something, some type of Grixis Control, or you know, uh, do you think that decks like that would be interested in as a way to deal with like enchantments or something I out mean, of the I, sideboard? Where yes. I think about it, where I think about it is okay. If I'm a red deck, and primarily like my best way of dealing with Planeswalkers is damage. I like the idea that I can have Chaos Warp either in my deck or in my sideboard to handle a high-loyalty Planeswalker 
dealing with dealing with Oko or dealing with Teferi, you know, five minute Teferi, he's less played less, but he's still a high loyalty. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a situation where they've set up with a counter spell and your one burn spell is not going to get the job done, having access to Chaos Warp in those situations for a red deck is pretty, pretty instrumental. I, I also think just like anytime I'd put wear and tear or a card like that in my sideboard, Chaos Warp is just as good, if not better. Like the fact that yeah. it can, it, it, as a 15th sideboard card and even a 60th card in your main deck, it gives you just answers to everything. It does not Which feel is like a thing that I am looking for regularly. It does not feel like the power level of the card is pushed because it costs three enough that it would be problematic in modern. I, I think mean, it'd be fine. In many ways, it's worse than O-Ring, right? Like, yeah, it O-Ring. It's an instant, which is better than O-Ring, but O-Ring doesn't give them a random thing for free. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think it would be fine. I don't I don't I don't know if it would even see play. Uh, it would be a sideboard card and some decks sure. probably would main deck it. But yeah, I think uh I think that's an interesting thought, and I think I think there was a time two years ago, if you would ask me that, where I'd be like, "Nah, that power level is too pushed on that card." But I just think, I just think yeah. modern's power level is insane now. I think three mana answers to things have to be better at like Culligan's command is the bet is the I guess the thing to be judged against, and the fact that it gains you card advantage while answering all of the things that it answers is one of the reasons it's powerful. Where this doesn't it doesn't draw you two cards right it doesn't right. it doesn't make your opponent discard a card and kill one of the creatures it doesn't give you a card back to your hand and kill a creature like and this just being a one-off answer now there's decks that aren't black red right that like would want to play this and i think it has the potential to also be good against planeswalkers which yeah. against command can't do and like some especially in modern right now being able to answer planeswalkers while also being able to answer an urza is extremely important it's extreme, yeah. and chaos warp i think would be really cool to be added to modern yeah yeah. Um, so yeah. So so back to the green conversation. By the way, Marshall, that would be a good hot take to grab. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of um, why I asked the question. Yeah. Thank you, Mar- Michael. Uh, I was trying to lean into it, and the Ben was running away. Uh, green spells. We talked about creatures. We talked about everything else. We talked about its ability to answer things. Um, Planeswalkers, I think, is the one place that green is not the best color at. I guess is the last kind of card type. Interesting. I don't know if it needs it. Right. Like I think that's one of the issues it's always had. It still has really good ones. Like. Uh, obviously Nissa Who Shakes the World is a good example of one right now that's being very powerful in, in Pioneer yeah. and Standard. Um, historically in Modern, I th- want to say Garrick is the best mono green Planeswalker. Okay. I, I can't think of another... Uh, like, none of the six mana Garricks have seen play. Are I'm talking about original four mana Garrick. Four mana Garrick is sweet. Uh, three I don't, mana Nissa. I was going to say three mana Nissa is the one that comes to mind for me. Just And it's never really made the impact that I sure. think people have wanted it to. But that card, to me, has always felt like it's been right there. Like, this card works. It does enough cool things if you're going wide. I almost like New Vivian more than that, even, if we're talking about three mana Nissas. Yeah. Or three mana Planeswalkers that are green. Because giving all your creatures flash is powerful, and she draws you a card, and she pumps a creature. She just doesn't defend herself very well. Yeah. And, like, her compared to Narset, or Three Mana Teferi, or Karn, or Liliana of the Veil, or yeah. Liliana of the uh, Defeated Emrakul, <laughs> Last Hope. <laughs> it would have been really cool if we had gotten a Three Mana Green Planeswalker out of War of the Spark that was on the power level of those ones you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like, an uncommon Three Mana Narset level Green Planeswalker. It, that would have been really dope. I... Are you just thinking that because it's backed up by creatures so much, it would have just been too good? No, I just don't know if I need another Planeswalker at that power level. Yeah, <laughs> I want more Planeswalkers at like the power level of Gideon, which from Gideon? Battle of Zendikar, or even five mana Gideon would be great. 
Oh, you want more of the four mana Gideon or five mana Gideon? Like that power level of Planeswalker. I I would like Wizards to take a break from two and three mana Planeswalkers. I think they have... uh, Are you of the belief that the the, the classic powerful four mana Planeswalker is like the sweet spot? That's like what you want to have in Magic. Yeah, I want them to keep trying to do cool stuff. I like am very sick of the five mana Planeswalker that's plus ability draws a card, minus ability kills a creature, and ultimate wins the game. Yeah. That that card, I'm fine never seeing again. The Obnixilis, basically. Yeah, or like Rouseric. Like literally, we could just do an entire episode just ranking planeswalkers that do exactly that (laughs) it'd be an hour long thing um like i like nissa who shakes the world i like static planeswalker abilities i think they're really cool we've talked many times on how i think they don't shouldn't the way they harm your opponent needs to be looked at yeah um but i think that green getting a good two and three mana planeswalker plus the fact that like look at it did. I know we're not supposed to talk about gold cards in this episode, but between Red and Six and Oko, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, yes, in Modern, you have to splash a color to play those cards, but in Modern, it's not hard to do That's that. so and, egregious and that like, you can play both those cards. Yeah, think about it. Like the, 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 of the best green decks, they're either all playing Oko or are playing Red and Six. Yeah. And both are extremely powerful. Are there good decks in Modern playing Red and Six? Well, no, not right now. <laughs> Sure point. It's not the same without Wasteland, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jund Jund is not the best value deck in the world where Urza and Oko exist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so why'd they print Emery? It's like, come on, come on, guys. Emery? It should have been white. <laughs> I think I've been very hard on the Emery should have been a white card. I just, like, can't believe. I just can't believe. Like, you read the card in the first place, and you're like, oh, there was a typo. This has to have been a typo. <laughs> because there's no way that this could be so simply just ridiculous, like... And it just is. It's everything you think it's going to be. I, you know, do you know that I had not cast an Urza yet until this last weekend? I no. literally cast it for the first time this cool. last weekend. Cool. It was so sweet. It's really good. It's, <laughs> it's really good. So that was good. like the card we were most excited for you to play. I know. It's just the thing is, it's hard for me to get to it because it costs four, and I sure. have. It's not only that I'm scared of things that cost more than two and one and two. I don't know how to play them. When I, I like don't understand how to cast well, them. The nice thing about my Urza hand. is you play some artifacts that cost yeah. one or two ahead of time, and then you play him. And then he was free at that yeah, point because yeah. all those artifacts tapped from him. <laughs> oh no, it was un- it was it was unbelievable what happened when I played him. It was so great. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think like there's an argument that black's the best color in modern. I think there's an argument that blue's the best color in modern. I think there's an argument that green's the best color in modern. I think a- green a- green has had the largest power suite introduced to its color pie in a time where it doesn't need it. Like green was already very good, and over the last two years, it's just become more and more powerful as time has gone on. Versus card colors like white um, that have hurt a little bit. And I think actually blue, though it got Emery and though it got Urza, and like it's like artifacts matter theme, I think is maybe problematic. I think blue's ability to answer things is something that's been pulled back on, and I would wish it would got better. And I I, I, I feel like the artifact decks. Uh, that we see, particularly in modern, are like mostly based on old mistakes. Like, obviously, Emery is a powerful card and Urza is a powerful card, but like a lot of the things that are enabling those decks to like go over the top are like Mox Opal and Mishra's Bobble right. and Arkham's Astrolabe and just kind of, well, I guess Arkham's Astrolabe is a recent artifact mistake, but. But like a lot of these, it's still kind of like the the sins of the past are what's busting artifact decks nowadays. Right. Even though there are like strong artifact cards being printed, like you know, Urza wouldn't be good in, that good in standard. Emery's not that good in standard. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, if you go, you can you can come up with an even more clear example of what you just said, 
Pioneer. If you want to build the Wurza deck in Pioneer, you can't really do it. It doesn't exist. There are Emery decks in Pioneer. There's yeah, also there's Emery like, decks in Standard that are doing well now. The Emery I'm decks s- in, in Pioneer are like Kethis decks that have a couple yeah, of artifacts. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're fine. I'm just saying when you when you look for the artifact support cards that make that good in Pioneer, you're missing basically all the cheap things that draw cards or accelerate your mana really right. efficiently. And so it, it has to do with just the redundancy that's been printed for such a long time. Well, and that was an argument for Force of Will, right? Where we talked about how we wanted... Force will to print into modern because modern is becoming more of the legacy of yesteryear where they have stopped really caring about standard cards and their effect on modern because there's no way for them to care. There's no way to really figure that out. But modern doesn't have a, a stopgap like Force will has thoughtsies. Gonna- so I was just going to say, I think we actually will get to some of the other colors at some point. I like these conversations. I think talking about blue on the next episode seems like a fun idea. Uh, we do have to wrap up this portion and get to the deck tech and I have to catch my flight. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to be replaced by Michael. I'm going to swap the deck out. Tech. Hi everyone, I'm in this chair now. Everyone say hi to Michael. You guys I was all, already there. I was I've been around. Like and your face was around. That's true. The power I can of, see my face. The power the of the live time. stream. Um so yeah, so today we're doing a deck tech. That's the next thing. And it's ma it's green. There's some red in there. There's a lot of hydras. Those card names are gonna be way easier for you to read because you know what cards are called, and they're like all of the hydras. Okay, so we're gonna read the whole list. That seems seems Yeah. Right. Seems stressful. The, oh, so for people who are wondering, in the description of the live stream, the episode, and everywhere else, there's a link to the tapped out for this deck list. It's insane. I don't want to read the whole list because literally... It's a lot of one-ofs. There are 25 creatures. Of them, there are only four cards that are repeated. Yeah, so it, it's uh, the description for the deck that was submitted was a, a gruel deck idea inspired by Greek mythology. So we got a lot of Hydra-related stuff for Greek mythology, and uh, this is actually not super easy to read. Let me mm-hmm. read it on here. Uh, yeah, so so we've got uh, a little bit of early ramp into your hydras with some Elvish Mystics. Awakening Zone. Yeah, Awakening Zone will also help you ramp into your hydras. we got Shaman of Forgotten Ways to help you ramp into hydras. And then we have a ton of hydras. we got one Apocalypse Hydra, one Gargos Vicious Watcher, which discounts your hydras. One Genesis Hydra, one Hero's Bane, one Hydra Broodmaster, one... Two Colonian Hydra, which is the one that doubles counters. One Managorger Hydra, which is a, a cheap little guy. Uh, yeah, so a lot of big X dudes and a uh, little bit of ramp and some non-creature spells to uh, to support it. Yep. So as we talk about it, what, what this deck is kind of doing cool and one thing I wanted to talk about, and this was submitted by our Patreon. So uh, if you guys don't know about it, we talk about it often. We have a Patreon. It has how we're able to do a lot of things we're doing, including... All of the new technology that was failing on us for half the episode today. Um, but this was submitted by Derek Stafford. That's what happens when I'm the producer, though, instead of Ruben, because right. I don't know what, how any of this works. We're learning on the fly. It's a holiday episode. <laughs> crazy stuff happens. We got, we got, there's going to be some some people coming on later. There'll be an animate, animated segment with Boba Fett on. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to have some Chewbacca's coming on, a baby Yoda, hopefully. Ooh. Uh, we can only hope. <laughs> wow, yeah. How many how many views would we get with a, a guest spot from Baby Yoda? Probably all of them. <laughs> all of the views. <laughs> uh, but uh, as one of those tiers, if you submit on a $10 tier, you can submit a deck tech for us to go over. Uh, Derek Stafford, as I mentioned earlier in the cast, is who submitted this deck list. And it is a lot of one-ups. And and one thing I wanted to talk about is a little bit on a, on a testing level on how interesting it could be to play more of a singleton-style deck obviously there's some engine cards and he even leads into this for the fact that he's playing for elvish mystic this is deck is also probably relatively inexpensive so the advice we give on here shouldn't just be like oh jam these thirty hundred dollar cards into here yeah I, well so i uh, i think that 
yes, there is some value to one ofs. And the idea is more just testing, right? Like if you're trying to invent a deck and this is one that's so off the wall where this one's like, I just want to play every Hydra in the game almost. And you want to see how they work. Playing one of each one of them for a few games or, or many games helps you kind of learn like, oh, these um, this card works. This card doesn't. This gets you an idea of like, oh, this Hydra actually doesn't do anything and just comes in as a big dude that attacks and they can answer it with every threat in the sun or threat removal under the sun. But this actually ends up being really powerful. This is a better position in the format than I think people are thinking and does better than I, than I even thought it would be. And therefore, I should have more of this card. And this allows you to kind of see what works and doesn't work. Right. Yes. So I would say that uh, my one uh, recommendation for this deck is like kind of figure out just be be a little more focused. Like you were saying, you want to focus on your engine cards like Elvish Mystic. I think that like the the cheap ramp is pretty important if you're going to be playing a bunch of X creatures or like Hydras that tend to cost more mana. Um, So I think it's good to like on paper figure out what you want your deck to be and that's obviously cast big hydras and kind of come up with you know a suite of cards that's going to help you do that um right now i think that this deck seems a little heavy on the hydras and i think yeah maybe just playing a bunch of one of hydras is what you want to do but i think that uh, like some of the support that those hydras needs is like more elvish mystic type cards or perhaps using like arbor elf with utopia sprawl um, something like that, like the ramp engines that we see, you know, having success in modern, um, in order to cast a lot of these big hydras rather than stuff like Gaia's Anthem, which is just giving all your creatures plus and plus one, which is maybe a cool effect if you're going wide with like a bunch of small creatures, but that's not really what this deck is trying to do. So I think kind of focusing on what your main, figuring out what your main plan is when you're building like a brew like this, mm-hmm. you want to figure out what your main plan is. You want to like make sure that your support cards in your deck are supporting your main plan. Because you have the cards that are your plan, right? It's the big Hydras. And I wouldn't... I think that there's something to be said for maybe consult picking out the five best Hydras and just playing four of each or right. whatever. Or, you I, know, not I four of that. each, but playing multiples of each. But if, like, you think it's, like, a cool, fun deck idea to just play a bunch of different rando Hydras... Um, they're you, all you can do that, yeah. but just make sure that your support cards are, like, moving in the same direction as that plan as opposed to... Um, being a little bit all over the place with one ofs in other areas that like you don't need a one of there. Yeah. And I think hydras are interesting as a one of plan. Sorry, Mike, uh, partially because, uh, there's two mics <laughs> partially because there is a, of the five iconic creatures, angels, demons, sphinxes, hydras, and dragons. It, they are the hydras are the most kind of, pigeonholed into a mechanical archetype like yeah, they, they all do kinda, one one counters yeah they all and they all like kind of do it with an x attached somewhere on the card not all of them Often, but many yeah. of them yeah um and because of that like they all kind of just like oh if you ramp i'm good and they all have different effects when they do those things being anywhere from killing artifacts with the new turtle hydra which might be my favorite card from the most recent set from an emotional perspective i want to protect it <laughs> to uh, being able to directly fight creatures with Voracious yeah. Hydra to um, doubling the size of all the counters you want everything. Like, they all do something relatively different that do work together. So there's an argument for playing 15, you know, or not 15 different Hydras, but, like, picking two of each of the Hydras that are good or some more singletons. Yeah, in that and I think, I think that, like, like you said, playing this deck and kind of figuring out which Hydras you like and which ones you don't like, because there are so many like very different Hydras in here. We have like a Pelucranos, Primordial Hydra, Savage Born Hydra, 
Gargos, Vicious Watcher, Heroes, Bane, Mana Gorger, Hydra, Colonian Hydra, Mist Cutter Hydra, kind of like playing this deck and just kind of seeing, oh, when I played the, you know, Colonian Hydra, it did exactly what I wanted. And I think that maybe I want to try and pick up more of those. But when I played the Heroes Bane, it was like a little bit too slow at doing its thing. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't a fan of it. Right. And if, you know, that's the thing is like, you want to figure out your plan. If you're trying to build some like casual, janky, fun, modern deck uh, that contains just a ton of different hydras, maybe that's what your plan is. And you don't want to focus at right. all. You don't want to like turn that hero's bane into a miscutter hydra because you found that miscutter hydra was exactly what you needed. You wanted the haste or whatever, right? Maybe you want to play both because that's the point of the deck. Mr. But if that's the point the of the deck, I think. One, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I lost to that in a GP, felt really bad. I was playing mono blue. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget what that card does. And so, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like, there's there's a lot to be said for, like, playing some of these cards over, like, some of these hydras over others. But I think the main way to clean up this deck is kind of figure out how to focus your support cards around what your main plan is. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's very, it's interesting because the, like, all the different Hydra's game plan actually doesn't seem that crazy to me. What what it, on this list that I think needs to be a little bit more consolidated is, and you kind of just said this, is kind of all of the enchantments, all of the creatures that are ramp spells, all of those things need to be a little bit more focused so that you can support that game plan. Right. You want to be able to execute your game plan as often, as in, in as many games as possible. Mm-hmm. And if you are drawing too many, um, you know, hardened scales and Gaia's anthems, and cinder vines you're gonna have trouble casting your hydras on time and you're just gonna die before you get to Mm -hmm. do that so i think it's important to make sure that like the support for the core of your deck no matter how absurd that cord may be core maybe um you want to make sure that your support system is there to make sure to get you there as often as possible and sometimes with like a slow ramp deck like this that's ramping into something that is not like Ulamog or something is still sometimes just going to get run over or like your opponent is going to have too many removal spells and you're not going to draw enough hydras or whatever. And like that's kind of a consequence of playing a deck like this. But if you're willing to take that risk, I think you want your support system to give you the best chance. And then like there's things that this deck can do if you can ramp out correctly that are insane. Like Miscutter Hydra against Urza decks, if you get in quick enough, like they can't stop that card. <laughs> yeah, protection from blue stops it from being elked. Yeah, it's elk proof. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is also a deck like there's there's some pretty inexpensive things that I think I would think about adding. Like you're playing four Elvish Mystic, you can add four Llanowar Elf. Like pretty, pretty. Yeah, easily. or once upon a time, uh, yeah. you know, budget permitting. Um, and then you also have options like you have Nykthos here. I think going up to two Nykthos makes sense to me. A card that I would love to see how this would do, and I'd love your feedback if you try it out, is the green hedge card. The mythic green from Eldraine. Like one card. Henge? Henge. 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 It's not a wall made of plants. It's like standing stones, right? A henge. Is it not made out of plants, though? No, it's made out of stones. Mm. Like like Stonehenge. Like Stonehenge. But it's the Great Henge. You know, there's a. I mean, I knew it was Henge, but there's definitely <laughs> was a portion of my life where I thought Stonehenge was Stonehenge, probably. <laughs> Fun fact, you're I'm just, assuming. You're and there's just, just going like back to that. <laughs> stone walls all around it. It's a big yeah. circle wall of stone. Yeah, that's fair. It is, it great. is a little bit of a stone hedge. <laughs> so, uh, henge, henge. Yeah, great henge. Great henge. It does put plus and plus one counters on your creatures, which is clearly a theme of this deck. 
Um, make, it'll make your late game like Llanowar Elves and uh, uh, Elvish Mystics better because you'll just be able to make them bigger with that yeah. effect and they'll draw you cards so yeah. you can cantrip through them. I think I would also go up on the land count. We're only playing 22 lands here, which I think is low for a deck with so many mana sinks. Like, I think getting mana flooded in this deck is fine. You just like, here's a big Hydra. Oh, top deck, another big Hydra. Right. Getting mana screwed in this deck, you're like playing 1-1 one, one and 2-2 two, two Hydras that are just like unplayable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, you really need to make sure you hit your first four or so land drops and draw some ramp spells and then your deck really starts going off so i would up the land i would want to up the land count in this deck as well and i think uh and i don't think you're playing some of my favorite hydras even um well, the, well i assume the person submitting playing, this deck is playing all of their, their favorite, favorite hydras, hydras. <laughs> yes uh so some of the hydras i would like love to see is what's the one that lets you f- like that uh uh cascades but gets the next genesis hydra, genesis hydra. There's one in the deck there is one in the deck yeah there's one Genesis Hydra is a little bit oh, awkward yeah, in here, is. actually, with other Hydras, oh, yeah. I would say. So so it does provide card advantage, um, which I like. And it, you know, kind of generates mana in that, like, you get to cast the card for free. The problem mm-hmm. is cascading with a Genesis Hydra into another Hydra with it's X and its cost yeah. doesn't do anything, right? So, like, I, I think that, like, playing some Genesis Hydra in here is, like, kind of a way to get some card advantage is going to be good. But also, but- like... I yeah, think, it's going to be awkward. I think the Henge might be a better position for that spot because it does kind yeah. of a similar thing, but more in game plan. And it adds mana. Mm-hmm. You have to have a big creature out before it does anything is like the tricky part, right? Like you can play Genesis Hydra for three and maybe cascade into a rampant growth or something. But like you can't play if you can't play the Great Henge unless you have a big creature right. in play ch- cheapening it or you have nine mana, I guess. But um, the <laughs> other the other card is, yeah, I think just like and going up on utility Hydras more than necessarily big beefy Hydras. So going up yeah. on Voracious Hydras uh doing the turtle hydra because it like answers artifacts and enchantments which i think is like a very important utility skill um and like leaning into some uh, adding some more of those just so you have if your plan is versatility with how many hydras you're playing have versatile hydras that's one thing that i think is really nice about voracious hydra is that it is utility hydra that also can just be big like if you if at this moment you just need to spend all your mana and make a 10 10 you can just make it a 10 10 but if your opponent has some threatening creature in play, you can fight it instead and make a 5-5. Five, five, mm-hmm. you know? I also like that there's an aspect of Hydra in here. Um, Just from a flavor perspective? Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the deck, right? Is like The deck is a Hydra deck. You got the aspect of Hydra. Is 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 that Kalina Kalini Hydra? Is that the one that's just Kalini like... Hydra? Kalini Hydra? Well, I'm never going to say any word correctly. Why are you asking me of that? Uh, no, it's not. It's Colonian Hydra that it says. I would actually Colonian think... Hydra. Col- Colini... Colony Hydra? The one that is green, 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 yeah. green, and costs one green less for every green yeah. thing would be good here. I don't know if you have that many green creatures in the deck. Not to mention your two colors, so you like have a fair number of red sources that don't tap for green. Not well, a but, fair but number, but you have I, some number. I was also going to say maybe cut red. Yeah, you could probably cut red. I think... You're playing it right now for some of the Hydras. Yeah, Apocalypse Hydra, namely. And I think Apocalypse Hydra could just become voracious, more voracious Hydra. Mm-hmm. Like, they do a pretty similar thing in that they, like, double the number of counters you put on them. I think Voracious Hydra has more flexibility and Trample. Kind of outclasses Apocalypse Hydra by a lot, in my opinion. And I'm a fan of Apocalypse Hydra. I played it. My first commander deck that I ever built was a Roshin Meanderer commander deck, mm-hmm. who uh, taps for four mana, but you can only send it on X's. Apocalypse Hydra was my best friend. She's a red-green commander. Yeah. So you could just I just played huge apocalypse hydras for like many of my early commander experiences. But uh but yeah, I think unfortunately Voracious Hydra is taking taking Apocalypse Hydra's crown because it does 
most of the same things and also can fight and has trample. <laughs> the, the reason I was thinking of Kalini Hydra is partially because A, we're recommending going up on elves, right? Yeah. And then that helps that That's fair. a lot. B, it helps with the great hand on both ends because it can be able to be, well, I guess it only helps on the back end, but it, eventually it's free, right? And you can just start cantripping through it. The other thing is with, if you're doing the Nykthos game plan, it also is just a big... Yeah, that's the true. Best if this, if this became a little bit more uh, devotion focused, then sure. Yeah, that is like definitely a cute way to up your devotion. That's like moderately competitive, yep. right? I and mean, on theme, which is I think that's on I think, theme. I think you need to be on theme yeah. with what and we're talking. As, <laughs> if you aspect of Hydra targeting your colony Hydra, I feel like that's the way to go. <laughs> that's maybe one of the best things you could do with this deck. In fact, I'm disappointed that you don't have that available to you now. And it, all of the other recommendations are less important than putting Kalini Hydra in this deck for that reason. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of the, the main comments we have for this deck. Unless you have anything else? No. no um, we covered it. Uh, a big shout out to kind of everything. Big shout out to Ben. Hope he's getting home safe. He's flying. Flying to the great north of yeah. Seattle. Yeah. Um, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Uh, I'm going to my wife's mom's house for Thanksgiving in the afternoon and then i'm going to my mom's house in the evening because she does thanksgiving late oh you're doing double thanksgiving yeah, I'm, I'm going to mississippi that's exciting uh, i'm gonna uh, my my wife's family lives there tupelo mississippi birthplace of elvis uh is is he one of those celebrities that has like multiple people claiming that they're the birthplace no no they like have Abe lincoln his, they have his house okay. he's not that old well i know but like Abe lincoln like but like he could have like been born in this city but he only lived there till he was three and then he grew up in this city but he went to high school in this city that, and that that's what Abe lincoln has right is it's like he grew up in this log cabin but he lived in this log cabin when he was like 10 or whatever <laughs> i believe that that is what's happening here okay yeah I he figured. lived there until he was like somewhere between <laughs> born and 10 and then moved somewhere else yeah. i'm assuming graceland I don't know. I have no idea. I, that sounds like something he only did when he was rich, right? More, more weird fun. <laughs> yes. More fun facts about my life. Um, I think one of the most embarrassing moments of my high school career. This is some bonus Masters of Modern content right uh, now. I was in an improv class Ooh. and like was decent. I was decent at it. I mean, okay. The, I think okay. one of the reasons I can do this podcast or podcast in general is because I took that class four wow. years in a row. Everybody is so lucky that you took that class. I know. Podcasts are happening because yeah. of it. Uh, yeah. and, and it was just playing games and you got a grade for it sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but we had to do a presentation at the end of every year in front of this in front of like parents and school people that are willing to stay after school to go to that type of show and we did like the dating game and dangerous uh someone we like each got a character and i was elvis I still know nothing about Elvis. Nice. <laughs> I couldn't do an imitation of Elvis if you paid me a lot of money, and I absolutely couldn't do it in high school. <laughs> um, so I got wrecked. I just was like, did nothing. It was embarrassing. Mm, that sucks. Yeah. So I hate Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I didn't know it was going to take such a dark turn at the end. Just everything about him. <laughs> uh, except his birthplace, because that's where my wife is from. Yep. Um, she wasn't even born there, so it's fine. <laughs> are we uh, are we wrapping up the episode now? Yeah, so uh, thanks, everyone, for watching on the chat. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, we have a new release schedule. So uh, this stream will become unavailable unless you're a patron. So uh, for all patron members, there is an unlinked version of this available to you. It's kind of the raw feed as long as you uh, are a $5 tier or above. Um, for everyone else, uh, Thursday, there'll be an edited version. 
description of this video with card art and everything and make sure to try and check in every Tuesday at one to catch the live stream. Um, and then on Mondays, we're also now releasing new content called, uh, uh, MMcast hot takes, what are, you know, kind of mini episodes. We'll generally record them on the live stream, um, but sometimes we won't. And there'll be kind of new, different off-topic things that we'll be releasing as separate videos. This last week we did um, Should Force a Will Be Printed in a Modern. Well, wait, what's the take? The take it, is a statement, right? It, it should be. Force Will should be in Modern. Yeah, That's should the be take, modern, right? right? Okay. And then the week before that we did uh, Lightning Bolt Should Be Printed, reprinted in Standard to be in Pioneer. Yeah. Um, and I think the, this is now that was there was a week before that that we had a different hot take. It was uh, the top five cantrips in right. in modern. Got it. That that uh, once upon a time is in the top five, which kind of inspired of a lot of the discussion in this episode, yes, actually yeah. discussing like, <laughs> hey, wait, actually, uh, too many of the top five cantrips are not blue. <laughs> <laughs> um, Monday's hot takes, Tuesday's live streams, Wednesday audio releases for podcast listeners, Thursday video edited video releases. And then on weekends, uh, we're starting to do uh, just streams. So I'm streaming every week. Um, last week I did it on Friday. The weeks before that I've done it on Sundays and Saturdays. Um, Michael was going to start helping out. Ben's going to start streaming. We're going to do a bunch of fun stuff. Um, Michael so far has been my opponent and I think has a current 100% success rate at beating me in Brawl. Maybe I've won once. It's close. It's close. Uh, and then... Um, yeah, so make sure to come check that stuff out. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Cass Wiley. I'm at uh, DudeRDUDARDD. Uh, thank you to all of our patrons for making this stuff happen. It's the reason all of this new stuff is able to be a thing that we're doing. Thank you, Matt Kessler, for coming out with the new audio that we have for the intro-outro. It's dope. Um, and make sure to follow us on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash the MMCast, um, and me on Twitch at, uh, which is Kesco. So twitch.tv slash Kesco. You can catch my live streams. I'm now affiliated so you can subscribe. I accomplished that. Oh, wow. Officially? Yeah. I'm officially affiliated. Cool. Cool. I I knew you got like the email. I wasn't sure if you like did the process. I did the process. Nice. So you could be a subscriber to me. (laughs) Got Amazon Prime. You can get free. one subscription for free per month and you can yeah. give it to Alex. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I need to figure out what my emotes are. We'll get there. Yeah, we're figuring that out. I saw like the area where I get to pick what my emotes are and I was just was it's very intimidating. Um, thank you guys, everyone. Thank you, live chat. Uh, make sure to like. That's the last thing I guess we didn't really talk about. Like stuff. Like the video. Like the episode. Like everything. If there's a thing that we show up on and there's an option to click a thumb up button, just press it wherever it is Mm, (laughs) wise words um and thank you michael for jumping on and filling in for ben yeah no problem uh thank you guys this has been a production of time traveler media sending podcasts into the future